You are listening to a sermon by Pastor Christopher Sally of New Life Christian Fellowship Church. Change your game. We're in a we're in a sermon series that's entitled When God Calls Your Name Twice. And it's interesting, I just saw some some joke on, on, on IG. We're just talking about black folks when they're trying to describe uh somebody and uh you know they'll say their name and then they'll give some kind of crazy description but one of the descriptions that they gave is like you know uh david 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 so it's like that's supposed to help you you know i told you i'm look you, you I, I, I ran into david who david david so it doesn't mean the same thing when you call somebody's name twice as when god calls somebody's name twice amen and we've looked at uh this will be the fourth person that we've looked at out of the seven in Scripture that got their name called twice. We first looked at Samuel, then we looked at Moses, then we looked at Abraham, the father of faith, and now we are looking at who? Jacob. 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 And I want to start out by confessing to you something that I told uh, Kelly uh, earlier this week when we were talking, and she agreed with me. Um, I, don't, I don't like Jacob. A whole lot. You know, I imagine in my, in my sanctified mind, you know, when you get to heaven and, and then you see Jesus, that's the first person we always want to see, then we'll see him. And then you'll be, you'll be other people that'll be there, and then you can, like, go talk to them and, you know, get in their line, get an autograph, have a conversation. And I, I think Jacob's line is going to be short. And I think Jacob's going to be going around trying to say, hey, you, you know who I am. We know who you are, Jacob. You know Jacob, Jacob. That'll be, that'll be his thing. You know why? I, there, there's so many reasons for that. But despite all of that, in Hebrews 11, in the chapter of those that are the heroes of faith, you see this reference. It says in verse 21, by faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of Joseph's sons and worshiped as he leaned on the top of his staff. Amen? And so, the, the Bible counts him as what? Faithful. Amen? And if the Bible counts him as faithful, it's got to kind of help you to reformulate or reframe what you are uh, feeling about Jacob as you, as you read the, the, the Scripture. But it's, it's referring back to Genesis 48 and 49 when, when Jacob blessed uh, Manasseh and Ephraim and he blessed his sons. And so, again, the Bible in, in Hebrews looks all the way to the end of Jacob's life and counts him what? Faithful. I know it's cold, but y'all, 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 gonna, y'all need to be with me. Be, be, be with me, please. Be, be with me. And, and if you look, as you just look at, 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 at uh, Hebrews 11, and I'll just say this, of the, the people, what, what you're picking up, if you look at that, whether it's Abel or Enoch or Noah or Abram or Sarah or Isaac before Jacob, the big headline that I want you to take away when you think about your life, when I think about my life, when we think about how God views us, God does not expect perfection, but God does expect expect perseverance and progress. Amen. He doesn't expect perfection, but he's looking for you to have some perseverance and some progress. He is more interested in honoring movement than just honoring moments because our walk with him is a pilgrimage journey. Amen. 
And so, again, if, if, if you're counted as faithful, it's not going to necessarily be because of a moment that you had with God. It's going to be about the movement that you've had with God because it is a pilgrimage journey. And the last thing I want you to know, just in the background, just as you begin to think about your life and we explore the text and go through some things, God is faithful even when you are not and is determined to bring you where he wants to take you despite where you want to go. Amen? God is faithful, and even when you are what? Even when you aren't, and is determined to bring you where he wants to take you despite where you want to go. Last week, I said it a different way as we looked at uh, Romans 8 and and 28. It's, It's just... It's just this, regardless of the problems that God detects, God will manifest the provision he desires along the path that he determines according to the purpose he declares for the benefit of the people he delivers. All things work together for good to them that love God, to them that are the called according to his purpose, regardless of the problems he detects. Come on, somebody. God will manifest the provision he desires along the path that he determines according to the purpose he declares for the benefit of the people he delivers. Amen. And so I just wanted to, to, as they say, level set around that as we began to look at the life of Jacob. And I'm telling you, I don't like Jacob. Because Jacob is a supplanter. Jacob is a heel grabber. Jacob is a deceiver. That's what his, that's what his name means from the very beginning. Even when he was born, he came out second and he grabbed Esau's heel. And, and again, names in the Bible mean a, a, mean a lot. If you, if you have a particular name, it's you know, it, it's important, again, and so Isaac's name means he laughs, again, because both Abraham and Sarah laughed when God told them that they were going to have a child when, you know, she's 90, he's 99. They, they just couldn't believe it, and so that's what Isaac's, names mean. Isaac's name means. Jacob, Jacob's name means deceiver. It means heel grabber. It means supplanter, amen? And so when you understand that, you know that Jacob is, and this is why I don't like him, Jacob is deceptive. He's deceptive. That's part of the legacy. That's part of the history of him. If you start out in, in, in chapter 25, and we'll try to do this quickly, but I just, we have to, before we can get all the way to the end of his life, we got to step through every place that God took him and, and, and talk about the journey. It was simple when, we, when God called Samuel's name twice because God had never spoken to Samuel before. It was simple when he called Moses' name twice because God had not spoken to him before. But it becomes a little bit more involved when he says, Abraham, Abraham, and he It's the test that he can't pass. And when he says, Jacob, Jacob, all the way at the end of his life, you got to kind of go through and see what it means for God to call his name twice and why God, God did what he did and why Jacob did what he did. 
And in, in chapter 25, he starts out, we start out and we see Jacob and Esau, but, but that's where uh, he stole uh, Esau's uh, birthright. Amen. You remember, he, he, he said, hey, man, g- g- give me the, I want some of that stew, Esau said. He said, first sell me the birthright. I'm about to die. He said, don't, yeah, don't worry about it. Just swear to me first you'll give up the birthright. And so that happened. That was the first deception. That was the first kind of trickery that, that Jacob uh, pulled. And then you go over to, to uh, chapter 27, and, and, you, and you see that uh, Jacob takes Esau's blessing. And they were getting ready to bless. Now, never mind, never mind that, that God had told Rebecca there are two nations that are in your womb. And, 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 and the people, uh, one people will be stronger than the other and the older will serve the younger. She had already been promised that Jacob was going to be the one that even though he was not the firstborn, he was going to be first in terms of priority with God. But still, the way that we work and the way that we operate, we still figure that even though God has declared what he's going to do, you still need to help God to get what God told you he was going to take you. And so, so she's trying to help. Jacob's trying to help. And so they decide to deceive Isaac and steal Esau's blessing, a blessing that God said that they already had. She said, because I will, the younger will be the one. The older, excuse me, will be the one that serves the younger. There's a theme that's building in terms of Esau's life. And you get to chapter 31 of, of Genesis. And when Jacob is fleeing from Laban, he has spent 20 years serving Laban, seven years for uh, Rachel, seven years for, for Leah. And verse 20 says, moreover, Jacob deceived Laban by not telling him he was running away. Why do you need to run away when God, in verse 3, told you, go back to the land of your fathers and to the relative and to your relatives, and I will be with you? All he needed to do was tell Laban, peace, two fingers. I got to go because God told me we got to roll out. But that's, again, that's not how he handled it. Why? Because he was deceptive. And, of course, once he... Uh, meets up with Esau again, and everything looks to be uh, copacetic. Everything looks to be good. Esau said, well, let's head back down to Seir. He said, you go on ahead. I'm going to catch up. I'm going to catch up with you. I know you're going down to Seir. He says, but let me, I'm going to catch up with you. He said, well, let me leave some men with you. Now, you you, don't don't even worry about it. I'm going to catch up. Jacob said, I'm going to suck it. And he went this way when he was supposed to meet Esau down again. So again, Jacob was deceptive, but, but just like you're not just one thing in your journey with God, amen, Jacob's not just one thing. And I suspect, and let me just let you, let you in on a little secret, I suspect that I don't like Jacob because Jacob reminds me of me. Wow. I suspect I don't like Jacob because Jacob reminds me of you. He's not all that. He's not doing everything he's supposed to do. Flesh is marbled into everything he does. He is faithful, but he is fleshly. 
fleshly. He steps up and he steps back. He takes two steps forward and one step back and sometimes one step forward and two steps back. He is trying to solve things on his own. He is always struggling. His, his name is, uh, is about struggle. I mean, his life is characterized, beloved, by struggle. And he struggles with himself and he struggles with God, as we'll, as we'll see. But again, the biggest struggle that I have and you have is that struggle between uh, selfishness and submission. Selfishness and submission. And so while I turn up my corners of my mouth when I think about Jacob, I really am turning up the corners of my mouth as I think about my faith journey because I look a lot like Jacob looks. He's deceptive, but then he's also devoted. Come on, in Genesis chapter 28, he has this dream at, at Bethel. This is that, that place where, where he sees this ladder come down from heaven, and he sees the angels ascending and descending. And, 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 and Jacob says, surely the Lord is in, his, in this place. And I want to insert right there, duh, surely the Lord is in this place, and I was not aware of it. But he says, I'll make a vow. If God will be with me and will watch over me and give me food to eat and clothes to wear, and this stone that I have set up as a pillar will be God's house, and all that you give me, I will give a tenth. And so Jacob uh, is starting to come around a little bit because in chapters 28 and 29, he is devoted. Amen? And then I would tell you that Jacob is also directed by God because he, his mom sends him off uh, to go find a wife among her own people. So he has to go all the way up to uh, Paddan Aran, all the way up in, 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 that, in the country where they came from. And he sojourns there for 20 years. And when he's there, he is under the guidance and direction of God. And so, again, yeah, he's deceptive, but he's also devoted and he's also directed by God. And then he gets to... Uh, chapter 31, as I mentioned to you, and God directs him to, to leave uh, uh, Laban and leave that country. And he says, go back to the land of your fathers and to your relatives, and I will be what? With you. I told you last week. Y'all, you better understand what you get when, you, when, when God says, I will. That's why Abraham had a test. He couldn't fail. It was he couldn't fail from his perspective. But God said, I'm going to make sure you don't fail from my perspective because I'm going to give you my I will. And if I say I will, I will. Period. I will. I'll give you my activity. I'll give you my what? Attention. I will give you, uh, because I see and, and I care, I'll give you my attention and my activity. I will bring it to pass. Regardless of the problems I detect, it will be done because I said it will be done. And even if I have to drag you around, even if I have to put obstacles in your way or put obstacles in other people's way, if I have to make bridges so that you can cross uh, rivers, whatever I have to do in your life, I will do it because I I said, I will. will. Said it. Go back to the land of your fathers and be and your relatives, and I will be with you. So he was directed as well. But then, here comes your part. Here comes my part. He, he was also distressed. Amen. Why was he <laughs> distressed? He was distressed because 
he said, Laban, he said, Laban was, was coming after him, and he said, I, I, I feared your, your, your presence. I feared your presence. But he did say this in chapter 31. If the God of my father, the God of Abraham, and the God of Isaac, and the fear of Isaac had not been with me, you surely would have sent me away empty-handed. But God has seen my hardship and the toil of my hands, and last night he rebuked you. So, again, this connection, Jacob is connected with God, just like sometimes you're connected with God. And sometimes it flows with, with, with you, and you, you're in the right place, and you're doing the right thing, and you're, and you're directed. And God had told him, go back to the to land of your, uh, of your fathers. But he still is distressed. Why? Because for some reason, even though Esau is all the way down in Edom in the land of Syria, and he could go here and cross over, which he did to Succoth and go down in Canaan. I don't know why he felt he needed to let Esau know he was coming. The last time he saw Esau, his mother told him Esau is consoling himself with the thought of killing you. He said, that's the only thing that lets his head hit the pillow at night. I'm going to kill him when Pops dies. That's the last thing he remembers. But God, uh, uh, under his direction, somehow told him, you need to check out Esau. And so he says, uh, I'm going to send some messengers ahead of Esau. And again, here's that, here's that marbled fleshly response. He cries out to the Lord and says, save me, I pray you, from the hand of my brother Esau, for I'm afraid he will come and attack me and also the mothers with their children. But you have said, I will surely make you prosper and will make your descendants like the sand of the sea, which cannot be counted. And so he literally is praying, and he's praying God's promise back to him, but God's promise doesn't stop him from being selfish. God's promise doesn't stop him from being fleshly. So he decides that he's going to separate the, 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 the families and send ahead the people he doesn't love as much and save the people he loves more for last. And even though as he prepares to meet Esau in verse 1, one of chapter 32, Jacob also went on his way, and the angels of God met him. And when he saw them, he said, this is the camp of God. So all along, God is telling you, I'm with you. Then he's showing you he's with you. Amen. He sent some angels. And the scripture doesn't even say what happened in this visit, but I got to believe that's a visit of comfort because angels are the, uh, they minister to the saints. Amen. And so again, God provided a tangible uh, uh, a sign to him. I'm with you. You don't have to worry about anything. I know you're getting ready to meet your brother Esau, but I got you. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, maybe. Because he's distressed. And those two folks that I told you about that always want to kick off your party always show up. And who are those two? Fear and doubt. Fear and doubt. Fear for your heart, doubt for your mind. He says, yeah, I, I was afraid. He said, I was afraid of Laban. I, 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 hmm. 
I doubt if you can get this down. Doubt will always stop you from doing. Fear will always a poor response. You can't, fear is a poor motivator. You can't, you cannot worship, walk, or work if you have fear. You just can't do it. You cannot do what you're supposed to do. And doubt also will keep you from doing. That's why there's such an effective combination. And Satan will dispatch fear and doubt every time you have a decision in your life along your faith journey where it's should I trust God or should I not? And Satan will let you know, hey, what does fear and doubt say? Let them, let them start the party. And usually the party that they start is not a house party, but it's a pity party. Amen. And I have had my share of those. Amen. And so he's scared. He's fearful about what's going to happen when he meets Esau. And that night, uh, Jacob got up and he sent ahead everybody and he holds back. And this is in verse 22. You know this very well. That night he got up and after he sent them across the stream, Jacob was left alone and a man wrestled with him till daybreak. And when the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. And the man said, let me go for it's daybreak. Jacob replied, I will not let you go until you bless me. See, Jacob at this point is being delivered. Amen. This is another part of his spiritual journey. He's delivered. And how is he delivered? Because he goes from wrestling with this man who, again, is a, is a, is a he says, I saw God face to face. And so he appears as a man. He goes from wrestling with God to clinging to God. When you wrestle with God, that's selfishness. When you wrestle with God, you're trying to get your own way. So, again, this cat comes out of nowhere and starts attacking you. You wrestle with him. But then if he says, I want to go, it's like, good, go, because I didn't ask you to come here anyway. I don't need to be staying up all night fooling around with you. If you want to go, go. But then he said, if I've wrestled with him all night, something is going on here. And when he saw the supernatural touch of God that touched that hip, he realized what? That God revealed his supernatural power by touching his hip. And Jacob went from wrestling with him, the scripture says, to clinging to him. And when you go from wrestling with God to clinging with God, you set aside self and you are talking now about submission. He said, you got to bless me. You got to bless me. It's better to walk with a spiritual limp than to, than to walk with a fleshly gait. You, you better, it's better to have a spiritual limp than to run fast with a fleshly gait. He says, I need you to bless me. Because I realize what's happening now. This is the place that's called Peniel. I have seen the face of God. Something's going on here. And God, I need your help. Just couldn't make it without your help. That's, that, that's, that's, what, I, that's what I imagine is, is playing in the background. Lord, I need your help. Just can't make it without your help. That's Jacob. And I love that. I love that about his story. I love that, hopefully, about your story because you go from being distressed to being delivered. And he said, man, your name will no longer. What's your name, boy? He said, my name is Jacob, the heel planner, the supplanter, the, the heel grabber, the, the deceiver. 
and I have, I have acted like my name my whole life. Yes. He said, listen, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel. I love it. Because you have struggled with God and with humans and have overcome. Your life has been characterized by struggle, but you have overcome. How did he overcome? Because he persevered all night. And when he realized who he was talking to, he clung to him and said, bless me. You need some godly determination in your life if you want to see the blessing of God. And God changed his name. God changed his name. You're not going to be that. That name also uh, means it, it means uh, he struggles with God and overcomes. He struggles, but it also means God fights. And when you realize that, 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 that who you're talking to, you can stop fighting with God and then let God start fighting for you. Amen. That's how you get delivered. That's how you know you're on the right path. You stop fighting with God, and then you start letting God fight for you. You realize that you have his power, and you have his provision. You have everything you need. So that's an exciting time. This should be the end of the story. It should be smooth sailing for here. I have seen the face of God. He has changed my name. But he can't just change your name. You've got to change your game. Yep. That's it. Your name and your game have to match up. Amen. He changed his name, but Jacob didn't change his game. Yeah. Because when he met Esau, I just told you, he was still calculating for selfishness. He was still calculating and solving for control and not trusting God. He did not fully submit to God because he still says, I, I trust him, but I trust me too. And I've always, I've always schemed and I've always plotted and it's always worked. What he didn't realize is as he moved forward, when he was at, when he was at Bethel, Oh, my gosh. He's at Bethel, and he sees these, the angels ascending and descending, and he says, this must be the place of God. When he met Esau, his point was he thinks the way forward is still to rely on myself, and the way forward is literally the way up. The power, the provision, what you need came from up. It's not forward and it's not back. We always seem to think and, and, and act horizontally without realizing that the vertical is more important than the horizontal. Amen. Because what he didn't understand is he wasn't going to have a problem with Esau because God had changed Esau's heart. He said, I already took care of that. So when you see Esau and he just couldn't believe it, Esau runs out with him. He's not filled with anger and bitterness. He's not filled with rage. He's filled with forgiveness. He runs with passion and he comes in and throws his arms around him. And he says, why are you sending me all these gifts? I'm content with what I have. I'm good. It blows my mind that God changed Esau's heart. But God said, that's what I do when I say I will. I can take the roughest situation in your life, in your past, the thing that you thought would kill you. You thought that he would be seeing you. He would hunt you down. He's coming with 400 men. He must be coming to kill him. No, he's coming to be reconciled to you. Why? Because this rules. 
while all the time you're solving for this, you're not appreciating this. I'm doing work, God says, behind the scenes for your good and my glory, and you just need to trust me. Stop scheming. Stop plotting and just be dedicated. And very quickly, mm, very quickly, the scripture says he leaves Esau and he goes to Succoth. Succoth is here. God had told him, go back to your people. You in Canaan. You here. You barely in. I told you to go all the way down here. It's about 70 more miles down to Beersheba. That's where you left your family. And now they've moved to Hebron, which is maybe 20 miles away. And so somewhere you're supposed to be all the way down here. And he goes, and he goes to Succoth, which is right. It's at the top of the land and the tip of the land. But he is not giving God his full trust and his full obedience. He stops in Succoth, and he buys land, and he sets up shop there. And that's right in chapter 34 when Dinah, his daughter, gets raped. And had he been where he was supposed to be, that does not happen. If you go where you're supposed to be, there are things that happen in your life that would, we needlessly complicate our lives when we don't obey what God says. Abraham did the same thing. He delayed in Haran, and I told you then he had to deal. God didn't tell him to bring Lot with him, and that complicated things. And down in Egypt with, 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 with Hagar, all of that. Same thing, same pattern. Even though Abraham is faithful, the father of faith, in your faith journey, we have to stop needlessly complicating our lives by not giving God our full obedience. I don't even care that when he got to Succoth, he built an, an altar. Amen. First Samuel reminds us, he said, you know, to obey is better than the sacrifice and to hearken is better than the, the fat of lambs. I don't care that you built an altar. I wanted you to do what I wanted you to do and get your behind down to Beersheba. And if you got your behind down to Beersheba, Dinah's not walking out and, and, and trying to figure out what's happening and gets raped by Shechem. Needlessly complicating our what? Our lives. That's part of the distress. But then he gets, he gets dedicated. He goes back to Bethel in chapter 35. And Jacob returned, and God appeared to him again. It says in verse 9, listen to me closely. And Jacob returned from Padam uh, around, and God appeared to him again and blessed him. God said to him, your name is Jacob. But you will no longer be called Jacob. Your name will be Israel. So he changed his, so he named him Israel. This is now the second time God has renamed him. And I believe it's the second time that God is asking him, I've changed your name. Why haven't you changed your game? Wow. I need you to stop 
struggling with man. I need you to stop heel grabbing. I need you to stop deceiving. I need you to stop being distressed. I need you to go all in with me and realize that I fight for you. And I need to see that godly determination that you exhibited back in chapter 32. I need to see that your name is Israel. Your name is Israel. And the Bible goes, starts talking about some other stuff, some other folks, highlights the, the, uh, the life of Jacob, excuse me, the life of Joseph and, and Egypt and all of these kind of things. And then we finally get to chapter 46. And God, and listen to what the, this is, the, this is the, I'll say this is the sad part to me. Listen to what the actual verse says. It says this, and God spoke to Israel in a vision at night and said, Jacob, Jacob. God called his name twice, but God had changed his name, but God didn't even call him by the name he changed. That can't be a mistake. God changed it twice. Moses records it as saying, and God spoke to Israel, but he called them Jacob. When he spoke to Abraham and called his name twice, his name was Abram. But when he changed his name, and, 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 and Abraham, obviously, Abram changed his game, he called him in Genesis 22, Abraham, Abraham. But here is Jacob with a name that's been changed to Israel, but a game that still resembles and still has a lot of Jacob in it. And that's why I don't like Jacob. But that's also why I don't like me. Because even though if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. God is telling us over and over, I have changed you. I have put you in a different place. I have changed your name. Your name, my name is now on you. And that means I need you to represent me. I need you to be a kingdom person. I have changed your name. I need you to change your game. Amen. And he says, I am God, the God of your father. Do not be afraid to go down to Egypt for I will make you into a great nation. I will go down to Egypt with you. I will surely bring you back here. And Joseph's own hand will close your eyes. I will. I'll do it. This call of God, when God calls Jacob's name twice, it is a call to transform. Mm -hmm. It's a call to transform. Amen. Just like I told you that, that uh, Abraham's call was a call to do what? It was a call to 
excuse me, it was a call to obey. And, and Samuel's was a call to relate. Moses's was a call to work. Jacob's is a call to transform. And, and, and it's, it's a revelation of God's promises, amen? You can transform based upon the promises of God. He is saying in your faith journey, I don't, I don't have to have perfection, but I better see some perseverance and some press. You need, to, you need to be progressing, amen? I need to see you grow. I need to see you change. And God continues to encourage. God continues to reveal himself. God continues to, to, to put things in your, in your way to get your attention. He continues to even send the people to wrestle with him and, and, and help him have these moments where he can step up and realize how real God is. You've got a God that gives you his activity and attention in your faith journey and he keeps looking at you and he's saying I need you to understand I'm getting your attention I see you I care I need you to know I will do what I've said I will do I need you to sell out and be completely faithful to me I know it's hard but that is the difference between struggle and selfishness and submission you cannot transform if you don't submit. You can't transform if you don't submit. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercy of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service, uh, uh, service and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Be ye transformed. Metamorpho, which is where we get our word what? Metamorphosis. He says you got to change. You got to transform. And what it literally means is I need the inside to match the outside. Or more importantly, I need the outside to match the inside. If what's outside doesn't match what's inside, you are doing what Satan does. The scripture says he masquerades as a uh, as a, an angel of light. That means his inside doesn't match his outside. God says, I need you, I don't need you to be in a place where your inside doesn't match your and I've changed your inside. You're a new creature. Walk like it, act like it, change your game. You got to change your game. You got a metamorphosis. You got a you got a metamorpho. You got to transform because you can't be conformed to this world. And so, how is it that Jacob then is proved faithful? Because we're at the end of his life. He says, jo Joseph himself will close your eyes. But we get to Genesis forty-eight, and he's getting ready to bless. Jake, uh, Joseph's sons, and Manasseh's the oldest, Ephraim's the youngest, and so he's old, and he's, so Joseph starts putting them in position to get, to get blessed, and he puts Manasseh on this side so that it would be easy for, for Jacob to touch him with his right hand, give him the right hand of fellowship, he puts Ephraim on the left. And when he gets there, <laughs> Jacob crosses his hands up. 
He said, "Wait a minute, what 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 you doing? You you got your hands on, on the on the wrong on the wrong ones." But his father refused and said, "I know my son. I know what I'm doing." No, Jacob said, you, you know, Joseph has said, no, this, is, this one's the firstborn. Put your right hand on his head. And his father says, I know, my son, I know. He too will be a people. He too will become great. Nevertheless, the younger brother will be greater than he, and his descendants will become a group of nations. And he blessed them. And so he put Ephraim ahead of Manasseh. And so when the scripture in Hebrews talks about that, it means that finally, Jacob was operating in, with some discernment in his faith journey. Some discernment. He says, I know and recognize that if God tells me to do something, I just need to obey. It's the fourth generation, consecutive generation, where God has said, the younger will be, old, uh, will be ahead of the, the older. Isaac over Ishmael. Jacob over Esau. Joseph over Reuben, the firstborn. And now Ephraim over Manasseh. God chooses the way God chooses, and he does it. And the scripture says in Romans 9, before Jacob and Esau had done anything before, God chose Jacob over Esau. Why? Because that's just what God decided to do. It's Isaac over Ishmael. It is Jacob before Esau, Joseph before Reuben, and Ephraim before Manasseh. Jacob understood that what God said, he needed to obey. And for once, he let his flesh get out of the way, and he submitted. So maybe just once or twice you could do the same. And maybe when you get to heaven, there'll be some people in, there in, in line trying to talk to you because you have been proven faithful, and you did what God asked you to do, and the assignments God asked you, and and you decided that it was more exciting to, to, to be with God and let God reveal, uh, let the excitement come from submission as opposed to excitement coming from selfishness. Y'all don't know what I'm talking about. The prophet Chris Rock said this. All good relationships are boring. The only Exciting relationships are bad relationships because you never know what's going to happen. You can walk in one day and say, you gave me crabs. He said, that's exciting. The only relationships that are exciting are bad relationships. That's because people are solving to be selfish. And when you're solving to be selfish, you don't know what's going to happen. And it's exciting, but it's bad. I'm telling you, stop solving. for You can have an exciting relationship. But you, it's got to be because God is taking the lead and you're submitting to him. I, trust me, the journey God will have you on will be exciting, but it'll also be good. The good and exciting relationship that you need to be pursuing, pursuing with all of your passion, with all of your heart, with all of your soul is the relationship you have with God. It will be good and it will be exciting and it will come through the vessel and the path of submission and not selfishness. Amen.